and I've called this week family, family likeness. Um, now, if you're married or if you've spent a significant amount of time in somebody else's home or with somebody else's family, uh, you'll pick up that, that different families do things different ways, right? I mean, when you grow up, you kind of think that the way your family does things is the way every family does things, right? And, and when you discover, either by being married or spending some time in somebody else's home, that different families do things different, it can be a surprise, can't it? Being, being married, um, I've got to learn that that my family, you know, the way I was brought up, is different to how Natalie was. Um, and one of the ways, I'm on dangerous ground here, I know, but one of the ways, I've cleared this, one of the ways is, is with Christmas. So, so for me, for our family, Christmas, it's just not, it's not a big deal. I'm not, we're not a big fan of Christmas. Like when we were children, loved it, you know, it was some fun. And so, but when you kind of realise, oh, okay, yeah, it's, it's all just, it's all just, you know, tinsel and stuff, then, then we just, it wasn't a big deal. And I just thought, that's, that's, that's when you grow out of, you know, being a ch- child, that's what, how, fam- Christ- how families celebrate Christmas. Apparently, that's not the case. So, Natalie's family go big for Christmas. We had to go out and buy a tree yesterday. I keep saying, like, you know, we've up to the ante. The kids are like, when can we open presents? I'm like, not yet. You've got a long, long, long wait until December the 25th, you know. And, and, and we want to, like, rifle through Advent calendars. And it's like, oh, man, okay. So I've had to learn that it's a little bit different in Natalie's family and having to adjust because um, not all family is the same. And the, the point, really, the book of James in, in, is some family likeness. through the whole, A theme through the whole book of the book of James is this is what the family of the people of God will look like. It, Paul writes in the book of Ephesians that we are, when, we, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus that we're adopted into a new family. We're adopted into his family. And with being adopted into that family comes some family likeness. Yeah, there's some families will will look a certain way. And it, just to be clear, it's not as though we. James isn't saying, "Well, do in order to be adopted, in order to be part of this family, you need to do this and behave like this and not do that and not do that." He's saying, "No, no, no. That's by my son dying, by Jesus dying on the cross, you are adopted. That's your status. You're now in Christ. But once you." get to know somebody and become part of the family and be adopted, well, you're, you, that, your family likeness, you'll take on some of that family likeness and it will look a little bit like this. That's kind of the theme through the book of James. He's kind of saying, hey, if you, pro- if you profess to be a Christian, then possessing that faith is going to look a little bit like this. It's going to look a little bit like this. So it's something we see it right through the book of James. You know, in, in chapter one, he talks about, you know, we're not just going to be be, be hearers, but we do as, as well. In, in chapter 2, it says that this family likeness is going to affect our actions. In, in chapter 3, it's going to affect our speech. In fact, uh, in chapter 3 and 4, it talks about humility, how we'll be humble after the family likeness will be humility. And then in, in chapter 5, last week, Paul talked about finances, how some of the family li- likeness will, be, it will affect our finances as well. And this really is the theme all the way through the book of James, this family likeness. And so let's pick it up in verse 7. As I say, I'm going to kind of dot around a little bit this morning. But it says in chapter 5, verse 7, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord is coming near. I used to think I was patient once, and then I had children. <laughs> I realized I've got a way to go to grow in that, in being patient. Anyone else? I see a few chuckles, a few you know, from parents. Um, 
But I think James is talking about patience here for, for two reasons. Okay, I mean, we all know, we've all heard the phrase, haven't we? You know, patience is a virtue, and we know it's a fruit of the Spirit, and it's a, you know, we can all recognize, yeah, patience is a good thing, and we can all grow in it a little bit more. But I think here, James is, talk, is talking about it in relation to a greater purpose. And the reason for that is because it's coupled with the return of Christ. It says, you two be patient, stand firm, because the Lord is coming near. So the patience is coupled with the return of Christ. So we believe God came to earth, became man, became, died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross for us, but rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sent his spirit to live in you and me, to, to, to empower us, to change us, to equip us, to help us, but also that he is coming again to judge the living and the dead, to bring in a new heaven and a new earth. And I think what James is getting at here is that he's saying, if, if, all you, if you believe that all, all you have in this life is kind of, you know, 80-odd years or whatever, and, and this is all there is, then that will affect your, your decisions. That will affect how you live your life because, hey, this is all there is, so I've got to do my best with it and, and, and make my own choices and, and so on. But, but I think he's saying, no, no, if you, if you believe Jesus is coming back, if your hope is in Jesus, that he rose from the dead, that he is coming back, then that will change your life here and now because there is more than just the here and now. There is more than just the 80-odd years on this rock. There is an eternity and a future with Jesus, and that will affect how you live your life now. If you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is coming again, then you better make the most of it here, right now, right? You've got to come. This is all there is. Why give your, why give your money away? Because, you know, you're going to need it, yeah? If your hope is, isn't in Jesus, your hope is in something else, you're going to need your money. Why why, why worry about what you, your actions lining up? You know, why worry about, about doing what the word says? You know, hearers and doers. Why worry about that if your hope isn't in Jesus? Why worry about your speech, as James writes in earlier chapters of James? Why worry about that if your hope isn't in Jesus? It doesn't make any sense, does it? None of these things really matter. Your hope, if it's not in Jesus, it will be in your own kind of wisdom, in your own ideas. You'll think, well, I know best. So why put it in Jesus? None of these things will make any sense. But if you believe he died for you and for me, he rose again and he's coming back, then it changes everything. Suddenly the whole, the whole book of James makes sense. Suddenly it makes sense. I don't, I don't do these things in order to be part, adopted into the family. No, I am by Jesus dying on the cross, raising to life again. I if I put my faith and trust and my hope in him, I am adopted into the family. And suddenly all these, all these family traits, all this family likeness, it makes sense. It's not in order to be saved. It's because I've been saved, because I'm adopted into this new family, some of these traits I'll take on into my own life. James's point is that we wouldn't merely profess faith, that we would possess it. We wouldn't just say we are a Christian, but we have an active, living relationship with Jesus. He isn't saying do this and do that and you can call yourself a Christian. He's saying if you really know and place your hope in Jesus, then your life will look a little bit like this. Not to earn or achieve salvation, but a relationship changes you. Uh, Simon, one of the disciples in the New Testament, if, you've, uh, if, if you know your Bible, um, then in Luke chapter 5 it talks about this, this guy Simon who was a, one of my favourite characters in the Bible, really outspoken fisherman and uh, that was his, his hope was in his fishing business. You know, that's what provided for him. That was his hope and his security. And uh, an encounter with Jesus 
And he just, he, he, I think he, he just knelt before Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm a sinful man. When Jesus called him, Simon just fell to his knees. Jesus, I'm a sinful man. And that encounter with Jesus just transformed his life. No longer was his hope in, in his fishing nets or in his, in his fishing business. His hope was in Jesus. It transformed him. It was no longer in himself, in his own wisdom, in his own abilities. No, his hope was in Jesus. And the gospel is that, that Jesus came to earth as a man. He came to earth as a man. I mean, imagine that. That's incredible, isn't it? That he came to earth as a man. He lived, he died, he rose again, and he ascended into heaven. This is a monumental, life-changing moment in history. No longer are we judged for our sins. You know, we're... we're no longer receive the penalty of death. We're forgiven. We're free. Satan's sin has been defeated once and for all. And you might be hearing this for the first time this morning and think, what, really? All the, all the things that I've done wrong, all the, 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 the evil thoughts and desires and the, the wickedness of my heart can be, can be forgiven and I can be, be made clean? Yeah, by Jesus dying on the cross, by putting your hope and your trust in Jesus dying on the cross. Wow, it's incredible that we might go free. It's like, as I said a number of weeks ago, it's like being in a courtroom and being declared innocent. Yeah, you know you did it, but being declared innocent. Not by pulling the wool over the, the judge's eyes and kind of, oh yeah, I got away with it, you know, I avoided the rap there. No, no, by being declared innocent by Jesus dying on the cross. All those things that we have done and are ashamed of are paid for at the cross and we're declared innocent. We didn't get away with it. We didn't pull the wool over the judge's eyes and, oh, yeah, that was a close call. No, we, we're declared innocent by Jesus dying on the cross for us. It's not behave a certain way, stop doing this. It's incredible truth. By Jesus dying on the cross, we're adopted into a family, we're made clean, we're made righteous. It's an incredible truth. But... Those of us who have been a Christian for a while, we can, we can lose sight of this wonderful truth. And we can be more influenced by, by the world around us, by external factors, than we can be by, by his word, by, by Jesus. And one of the repeating themes in this book, this whole book of James, uh, in chapter 1, verse 8, it says, uh, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Chapter 4, come near to God, he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded people. He's talking about, James is talking here about people who kind of have a foot in each camp, you know, a foot in each camp, and split loyalties, divided attention, mixed motives, you know, kind of cake and eat it stuff. And, and we're, quite, we're generally quite a young crowd here, and um, uh, my fear for many of us is that we could, we could look around, and, and you know, we all do, we all kind of, you know, if you, if you, if you work, or you study, or you... Uh, friends and so on you can kind of you can kind of look around and what influences us isn't scripture isn't the bible isn't jesus but what can influence us is those things is friends family co-workers parents and they're not necessarily all bad influences but if we we can put other things in a place of authority over our lives than jesus and we can end up having split split loyalties yeah kind of a foot in each camp and I think the book of James would challenge us. There's a single-mindedness in this book. James calls us to a very single-mindedness. Are you going to put your hope in Jesus? Are you going to follow Jesus? Your, your plans, your priorities, are you going to put, put Jesus first or are you going to put something else? Your finances. It's a very challenging book, this. And, but really, it's what, what's got that place in your heart, that number one place? 
in your heart. There's a wholehearted devotion in this book. This morning, what is your hope in? What's your hope in? We can, we can follow Jesus, but is your, is your ultimate hope in Jesus? We can come along to church, is your ultimate hope in Jesus? Your comfort, your security in Jesus, or is it in something else? When you're planning your diaries, your time, your finances, who are you following? Who are you looking to? The whole book of, if your hope isn't in Jesus, this whole book of James can feel like a real whipping, yeah? Just feel like, oh, whip, 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 bang, 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 bang. But if your hope is in Jesus, it makes sense. Oh, yeah, because I'm putting my hope in him. These other things, my, my priorities, my time, my, uh, my finances, they make sense. This whole book makes sense. We're invited into a personal relationship with the living God. A personal relationship. It's not just some kind of distant figure or just uh, distant historical figure. No, we're invited into a personal, active, living relationship with Jesus Christ. A daily relationship with him. A relationship where we pray. And it says here in verse 13, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We come to the living God in, in personal relationship. Yeah, We get to come to him, a personal relationship. We, after, in a little while, we're going to pray for folk. If you're sick, if you want to be prayed for, we're going to pray for you. Believing that, that God wants to heal us. We come to a, a God who is living, who is alive in us. There's nothing special about those of us that are going to pray for you. We just, believe, we just know someone who can. We just know someone who can. So we're going to pray for folk in a little while. But we can get to the end of this book of James, and we could kind of cle- uh, breathe a collective sigh of relief and kind of think, oh, gosh, that was a real you know, gut punch, and uh, that was heavy going, bang, bang, bang. And, you know, please, let's go back to Psalm 23 when we get, get together in, in January. But we'd be missing out, yeah? We'd be missing out. There's, there's gold for us in this book. He's not designed to kind of hammer us, but he says, are your priorities right? Are your priorities right? It ought to make all of us sit up and take stock, really. Whether you're a believer or not, this book ought to make all of us just kind of sit up and take stock and say... Am I as passionate and committed to following Jesus as James was? As James encourages us to be? Or have I compromised in some areas? Am I compromising in some areas? Again, it's not to earn our salvation. But if we're really walking with Jesus, it has to change us. It has to change us. Change our hearts, our desires, our actions, our decisions, our priorities, our diaries, our bank statements. I've pretty much summed up the whole book of James, all the themes of the book of James just there, all those things he touched on. It ought to affect those things, and that's James's point. You know, money is just money. Career is just a means in which to uh, serve the Lord wherever he places you, but it's not the be-all and end-all. It's a daily choice. Following Jesus is a daily choice. Where am I going to place my hope today? Where are we going to place our hope Tomorrow, my colleagues, my friends, my boss, my career, my bank account, what other people think of me, or am I going to place my hope in Jesus?
verse 19, and then we'll close it out. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and, so, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. That's our status outside of knowing Jesus. Yeah? In error. We're in error. But God has saved us from that, saved us from death. It no longer has a, a grip on us. Our, our multitude of sins have been wiped away because of Jesus on the cross. Who are you going to put your hope in? Who are we going to place our hope in? In ourselves, in our own wisdom, in our own ability, in our own thinking, in our own uh, choices, or are we going to place it in Jesus? I want to urge us, let's, let's put our hope in Jesus. There's no more safe, secure fruitful place you can put it everything else will sooner or later let you down a career won't necessarily go the way you planned it yeah it would kind of rinse you dry all your time all your energy all your effort and leave you disappointed other people will let you down will fail you will disappoint you jesus won't i want to encourage us let us be those who put our hope in jesus put him first with our finances put him first because of all he's done for us. Let's pray. Johnny, uh, Ben, Claire, you're able to come back. Should we stand if you're able to? Maybe you, when you're ready, one of you can just start uh, start playing. I'm going to pray for us. During this song, um, there's communion to take at the back. I want to encourage you, just if you're a follower of Jesus, then go to the back, um, take the bread and the wine. I want to pray with somebody. And just as we do that, we're recommitting my hopes in you. My ultimate hope is in you. My trust is in you, not in my career, not in my own abilities, not in my bank balance, not in my own wisdom, but in Jesus. If you didn't feel able to say that, then just maybe sit it out this time. But if you want to say that fresh, then it's, yes, my hope is in you. My hope is in you. I want to follow you, Jesus. Then let's take the bread and the wine. But I also want to give an opportunity to pray for people as well. So over here, there'll be a few, few of us here just to pray for you. And we're just going to, for anything, whatever you want prayer for, we'd love just to pray if you're sick or you just want to receive healing. We'd love just to pray for you. Nothing complicated. We'll just simply pray with you. If you're a life group leader, um, I'd love you to come and join me in praying for folk or anyone else who wants to just come and pray. Um, that would be great. But let's, let's pray. Maybe just if, if you're comfortable, close your eyes and I'll pray for us and then we'll go into worship. speaking but hard hitting book Lord we don't want to miss all that you have for us Lord we want to be those who place our hope in you Lord we want to forgive us where we have placed our hope in other stuff in our own abilities, our own strength our career our friends family, whatever it is Lord not bad things but we want to place our hope in you our joy, our satisfaction, our fulfillment in you. 
I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you come right now and just give us, a, give us those of us that are prod that where we need it, Lord, where we've compromised, where we've perhaps been double-minded and a kind of a foot in each camp. We want to be those, just a, a single-minded devotion to Jesus, a single-minded devotion to you. to it, not trusting in our own logic, our own wisdom, our own understanding, trusting in you, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're adopted into your family. Thank you, Lord, that a great victory was won at the cross that we get to share in, that we're now in Christ because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. We're adopted into a new family. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship. So, bread and the wine at the back. Those that want to pray or be prayed for, please come and join me over here, and we'd love just to pray with you.